You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Bills Mafia, what is up? It- is Friday night. It is the preview edition of Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. And I am here live in Kansas City as promised. I'm here at Al's Bar and Grill, the official home of the Kansas City Bills backers. I got the Bills backers here behind me, a bar full of mostly Bills fans. There's some Chiefs fans here as well. I'm joined as always by my tag team partner, Ryan Talbot. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great, Matt. It looks like uh, business is booming there behind you. Saw your video before the show tonight. Uh, A lot of great Bills fans in attendance, it looks like. It is. uh, You can feel the energy. It's a a different energy than last year. I've been talking about this uh, for the last couple days on all the radio shows that I've done. You know, Bills fans seem a little bit more confident this time around. I remember going into the AFC title game last year. And, and the sense that I got that it was the big bad Chiefs and the Bills that were on the come up, they had won a couple games, but it just didn't feel like, you know, what I think it feels like this year where it's a, a legitimate shot for the Bills to come on the road in Arrowhead Stadium and escape with a win. We're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more. I feel like all the pressure's on now for these transitions because people have gotten had so much fun with them. But whether you're celebrating at home or away, this weekend, Topps has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. Uh, Ryan Talbot, uh, where do you want to start here? You know, before we dig deep into the game itself, Matt, let's talk a little bit about Joe Schoen being hired today. Uh, GM, now new GM of the New York Giants. Only reason I want to get into this really quickly is because that makes Brian Dable and Leslie Frazier uh, probably the odds-on favorites, one of those two to become the next head coach. And, and in my opinion, Matt, this really makes this year's run that much more important because look, the band's breaking up, so to speak. When you lose, obviously, an assistant GM who's played a big role in the drafting and in the scouting process and all of that, and now you're possibly going to lose one of your coordinators, it, it's bad news for, for the Bills in terms of the, you know what's, what's next to come because Brian Dable's played such an important role for Josh Allen. 
Leslie Frazier's brought that stability to the defense. So if one of those two guys go, you know some players will go along with them, some assistant coaches. So, Matt, what I was saying is, in, in a way, the band's being broken up and the Bills really have to make this run count. We heard from Brandon Bean today, and, and the general sense that I got was this was something that was coming no matter what happened. I mean, when you have this kind of success, when you build a program from the ground up, teams around the league are going to want to steal that blueprint and start to execute it themselves. And no better way to start the blueprint than with the assistant general manager of this team, the only guy really in that front office that the highest guy I would say that's available. And the Giants go out, they, they hire Joe Shane, who in turn is likely going to bring probably Brian Dable with them. Uh, they already executed an interview with him. It, it seems like they're going to interview Leslie Frazier as well. But the Giants have to they gotta they gotta have they have a problem on their hands. They drafted a, a quarterback three years ago in Daniel Jones, who hasn't panned out. If they go the Brian Dable route, the, the idea is you, you see what you got in Daniel Jones. You have one year to kind of figure it out. And then if that's not the answer, if that's not the long-term answer, maybe you bring Mitchell Trubisky along. You let him compete with him. He's already gotten to know Brian Dable's system. And then if all else fails, you do know that Joe Shane's going to do his due diligence. He's going to rebuild that cap situation. It might be ugly for a little while for the Giants. It was for the Bills in 2017. But once you can do that, then you can start to build it back up. Maybe you draft your quarterback down the line. If you do get Brian Dable and you know that he can kind of build this thing. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned, I mean, you know, maybe this is a blessing in disguise for whoever gets that head coaching job and for Joe Shane, because this year's draft class isn't great for the quarterback position. Uh, so you can give Daniel Jones one more look with an offensive minded coach. If it's Brian Dable, that gets hired. Uh, you can bring in Trubisky for a placeholder year, and then maybe you can attack the quarterback position in the 2023 draft when, when you can kind of start a new and start fresh. And someone said, why would Brian Dable want to go to the giants with, with Daniel Jones? And I said, there's only 32 jobs in this league as head coach, Matt, Brian Dable's going to want one of them. And if he has Joe Shane as his GM, he's not going to be one and done in New York by any stretch of the imagination. They're going to work together to build that up the right way to clear the cap space and to find the right quarterback for that system. Yeah. And you know, I know that there's a lot of doom and gloom here, but one of the things about, you know, Bills fans have loved the way that the offensive defense has played over the past four seasons, and they probably don't. You know, the unknown is always a little bit scary, but I think it's a lot like how the Bills have developed players. I think they've also been developing some really good coaches. I mean, Ken, Ken Dorsey's a guy that Josh Allen has raved about. He's already had experience in this league developing another quarterback in Cam Newton. Now on the defensive side of the ball, that's why you went out and got Eric Washington to be the defensive line coach. That. You know, teams have been kind of hovering around Leslie Frazier for years, and Eric Washington gives you that guy that already has defensive coordinator experience in his past. He'd probably be the slam dunk decision if the Bills decide to stay in-house. But if, even if they don't, maybe there, you know, is a big-time name. I know Vic Fangio's floating out there. You know, maybe you go for broke and bring in a guy that, you know, probably wants to come to a good situation, and this would be a really good one. I don't know if stylistically or schematically maybe that things don't align there. That'll be interesting to see. If you're looking for a young name in the Bills organization on the defensive side, it's not Eric Washington. Bobby Babbage is a guy, Bobby Babbage Jr., who I think is a guy that if you talk to any of those defensive backs, starting with Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, they rave about this guy. And, you know, there's a couple people in front of him. Obviously, John Butler's a guy that's been ahead of him on you know uh, for years. But 
sometimes I wonder, you know, are, are certain guys kind of more built to be position coaches as opposed to, you know, being the guy that is, becomes the CEO of the unit? So I have a little bit of questions there with a guy maybe like John Butler or even Bob Babbage Sr. Bobby Babbage Jr. is a guy that seems to really connect. Not that the other guys don't, but just a name to kind of you know keep in the back of your mind. Yeah, and listen, you know, you mentioned Vic Fangio. I think a good coach is a good coach, no matter what. I think schematically he could work with the Bills, have and be a very good defensive coordinator here. Uh, Wink Martindale was let go by the Ravens today. I just think certain guys, no matter you know what personnel you have, can come in and make a difference with those uh, with your playmakers. So there'll be guys out there uh, if the Bills don't want to stay in house. But you mentioned it, there are guys in house. But Matt, let's transition here. I like you leading the show. I got to tell you that I, right now. I'm liking this. <laughs> I am wearing a very heavy sweet potato around my neck for the Bills Mafia at home here. Uh, why am I? Well, one, I guess you don't know why I'm wearing this, but I'm supporting a story that you put out earlier today, Matt. Tell everyone a little bit about it. All right. So that's why I was a little late to Al's here tonight. Our editor, uh, our fearless leader, Chris Baker, uh, came across the story uh, trending a little bit on social media and Bills, Bills Mafia. There was this story about sweet potatoes kind of sweeping across the Internet to the point that Chiefs fans and Bills fans were starting to get into it over it. A few uh, weeks ago at the Atlanta Falcons game, a gentleman by the name of Garrett Lee, great guy, got to talk to him tonight, meet him a little bit. Uh, He helped me tell his story. They were cooking out at the tailgate. He saw a sweet potato. He probably had a couple of beverages. He saw a sweet potato sitting in the back of his buddy's Subaru Outback. Uh, It might have been a a different vehicle. I can't remember now. But he picked it up and thought at the time it would be a good idea to just put it in his pocket for later. And so he walked into... He walked into the stadium, totally forgot that the sweet potato was in his in his pocket. Around the fourth quarter, the Bills were winning, and he wanted to take out his phone, take a picture. He pulls out the sweet potato. And at that moment, I think it was your favorite line in the story, Ryan. What did it read? Uh, you know, he held it up pretty much like it was Excalibur because the Bills were on <laughs> this win streak. I, I loved that line. That was a great line, Matt. Uh, that, that he gave you in that article. If you haven't checked it out yet, Bills Mafia, head to nyup.com, syracuse.com. Uh, check out this story. And, and now, Matt, it seems like there's a lot of fans. Not, you know, I know uh, the, the fan that you were, you interviewed isn't going to make, make it to this game, but there's a lot of fans that are trying to bring sweet potatoes to Arrowhead Stadium. Yes. So... <laughs> Brother Bill, Bill's super fan, tweeted out uh, he had been following the story because with each win since the Falcons game, every game, Garrett was bringing a sweet potato in with him in his pocket. So there's a picture of him at the Patriots game after the first touchdown when Josh Allen threw it up there and didn't even know uh, he was trying to throw it away. And Dawson Knox came down with it. Um, Garrett kind of held the sweet potato up and, and posted a picture of it. And Brother Bill got all the way behind it. And when Garrett said he couldn't go to the game in Kansas City, Brother Bill said, somebody's got to show up with a sweet potato and keep the streak going because the Bills haven't lost since he started going in there with sweet potatoes. So that created a, a, a social media war between the fan bases uh, to a degree. Some Chiefs fans were like, this is, this is dangerous. These are, these could be, you know, uh, people could be throwing sweet potatoes at players. And so uh, the back and forth, you read the story, you'll get more details, but it was quite the uh, two and a half hours that I spent earlier today, kind of getting the scoop, if you will. Yeah, and Bill's Mafia, top supermarket, has everything you need, including sweet potatoes, 99 cents. Great deal if you're heading to Arrowhead Stadium. Stop by Tops. 
uh, before you head to Missouri in this game? Uh, we got uh, the full preview edition of the show here tonight. Kansas City Chiefs, Buffalo Bills round. I mean, technically it's round three, Ryan, because, you know, we're, we're 12 months removed from the game that was in this very city. I'm going to be in the very same seat for the third time in 12 months on Sunday. And I think the best place to kind of start with this game is what's the matchup that you're looking at that you think is going to determine this game the most for the Bills? Well, it's not just one matchup, Matt, but it's the wide receiver position. Uh, you, you know, I have my things to watch that's coming out first thing in the morning tomorrow. Stefan Diggs, torn oblique last year in that game in the AFC Championship game. Cole Beasley, broken fibula. Gabriel Davis, game-time decision because of an ankle injury. All three guys are healthy, Matt. And in addition to that trio, you have Dawson Knox, who has been an absolute game wrecker at tight end. You have Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders. Do the Chiefs have enough horses to keep up with Buffalo's uh, skill players? I'm not so sure. I, I like where, where you're at there because, you know, I'm doing a big story on uh, Isaiah McKenzie for tomorrow. And I feel like he that added dimension to this Bills offense makes them so soft, tough to prepare for. Like, listening to Steve Spagnola this week, the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, you can see the the stress it creates when you've got to deal with so many guys that could potentially have a role in this game. I mean, if you come into this game and you said 10 targets for Dawson Knox, 10 targets for Cole Beasley, 10 targets for Stephon Diggs, 10 targets for Isaiah McKenzie, 10 targets for Emmanuel Sanders. Would that surprise you? I mean, with the way that Devin Singletary is going, Ryan, I know it's not necessarily rushing attempts, but if you've got 10 targets for Devin Singletary, would that even surprise you if that was a route that Brian Dable decided to go in this game? And so when you're trying to prepare for all these different things that the Bills can do offensively and how much they've been in their bag, Dable specifically, to your point, I think it becomes very challenging to defend them. I like some of the things that we've seen from the Kansas City Chiefs defensive line. And by like, I mean, you know, if you're a Chiefs fan, you probably like it. They're getting more pressure. Chris Jones is in the middle where he belongs. He was playing outside on the edge early on in the season because they just didn't have enough edge rushers. He didn't even play in the Bills uh, when the Bills played them earlier this season. So it's going to be about having a plan for Chris Jones because he can, we saw in the AFC title game last year, if you don't, he can wreck the game. But I love, we talked so much about this the other night on Wednesday, the offensive line for the Bills. They've been so consistent the last five games that I, I really like a lot of those matchups, even against Chris Jones, to have a plan and, and kind of put their guys in a position to have success. Yeah, and listen, if one guy gets through the, the offensive line, Josh Allen can elude that player nine times out of ten, step up in the pocket, roll out, get out of the way. It's when multiple defenders are winning that Josh Allen was in trouble earlier this year. Go back to the Pittsburgh game. Uh, Melvin Ingram, who is now on the Chiefs, he had success because of some of the uh, other players on the defensive line that were winning their respective matchups. Jacksonville game, same thing. A lot of guys are winning those matchups. But the Bills for the last four weeks – have been unbelievable. They've they've been solid across the board. Uh, something else that I mentioned in that article, look at the offensive line from that week five game that the Bills actually won. Compare it to this line now. Deion Dawkins is playing a lot better now than he was back in week five. Uh, obviously, Ryan Bates was not in that lineup. He's playing unbelievable football. Morse is the model of consistency. Uh, Daryl Williams almost isn't talked about anymore, which is a great thing if you're an offensive lineman. And then you have Spencer Brown. That week five matchup, Matt, 
was his second NFL start. Look at all the experience that he's picked up since that point, and look how much better he's gotten at right tackle. I really think this offensive line, like you said, has some matchups that they can win on Sunday night, and that's going to help keep the Chris Jones, the Melvin Ingram, the Frank Clarks of the world, hopefully at bay. And if they do that, like we were saying, those man-to-man matchups with Buffalo's receivers, someone's going to be getting open a lot in that game. You look at the on the defensive side of the ball for the Bills, and, you know, it starts up front, of course, but Patrick Mahomes is so good at maneuvering in the pocket, getting out of structure, making plays out of structure, that it really kind of doesn't matter unless you're able to kind of generate the kind of pressure that the Tampa Bay Bucks did in the Super Bowl last year. You're likely going to need to be an exquisitely good tackling back seven. Um, otherwise, you're going to have a really long night. And I think my matchup to watch in this game is Taron Johnson on Tyreek Hill. I thought that in the first matchup earlier in the season, you know, I think Travis Kelsey was a bit banged up. He ended up having a pretty decent game statistically wise, but he didn't have the kind of impact on the game that they had in the first game. You got a healthy Matt Milano. You got a healthy Tremaine Edmonds in this game. I think that bodes well for that Travis Kelsey matchup. So it shifts to Tyreek Hill because he's, to me, the scariest guy that can completely break open this game for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's getting loud in here, by the way, Ryan, if you haven't been able to tell. People, Bills fans are starting to funnel in. It's, it's 820, 830 on a Friday night. Uh, the party's happening in here two days before the game. But if, if the bottom line here for the Bills is keeping the Kansas City Chiefs out of the end zone. You know, red zone defense has been important for them all season long when they've been really good in most of the games. I mean, they got the number one pass defense in the NFL. It's been guys like Taron Johnson. It's been guys like Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. They're going to have to get to the ball. They talk about valuing gang tackling. This is a game where you have to execute in that part of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And going back to your cornerback discussion, I know you mentioned Taron Johnson specifically. You know, my biggest concern is Levi Wallace, Dane Jackson, and their respective matchups. I think they've really done a nice job, both cornerbacks, uh, since Trey White was lost for the year. But you mentioned it. Patrick Mahomes can extend plays and keep plays alive, rolling out of the pocket. Uh, and, and that's when it becomes dangerous because as good as those two guys have been, you can only keep a, a wide receiver under wraps or under, you know, lock and key for so long. So if Buffalo's defensive line uh, does not contain Mahomes and they let him roll out, that's when some big plays can happen. So, yeah, uh, you know, avoid the big plays in the red zone, hold them to field goals, and that's the key to this game. You're right. So let's get to uh, Frank Clark earlier in the week. Uh, I, I like you, you bringing that up. I thought he had an interesting press conference. I mean, he meant he came out right away after the Bills beat uh, or after the Bills won their game and the Chiefs won their game. We knew it was going to be the matchup. And he basically said, they're another team in the AFC that's holding us back from the AFC championship game. Uh, he came out very complimentary of uh, Josh Allen. Uh, I got a quote here from Tyreek Hill, Josh Allen's going to make his plays. We just have to go out to the next, go on to the next play. We can't necessarily dwell on the things that they're doing well. It's all about what we do and how we respond and react. And that's, I think, the point that we're at with the Bills and Josh Allen is that teams go in knowing a lot like Patrick Mahomes on the other side, they're going to have their success. They're going to have their plays. This is going to look a lot different than it did in the AFC Championship game last season. I think just because of the Bills' ability 
to not only pass the ball, but run the ball too. And they're not afraid. Brian Dable at this point in the season, they're not afraid to unleash him as a runner. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're 100% correct there. Uh, something else to kind of monitor in that game. I, I agree completely. So uh, another thing that Frank Clark said in, in that press conference, too, is he said, listen, pretty much this is the main event of the weekend. If you ask 99% of the world, or if you ask the world who are the best, two best young quarterbacks in the NFL, 99% are going to say Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And, and he's right. These are, are two guys that are going to be battling for Lombardi trophies for the next decade plus the way that they've been playing uh, as of late. And, and yes, there's other guys on the come up like Joe Burrow, who's actually the same age as Josh Allen. And, and there's Justin Herbert, just in the AFC alone, possibly Trevor Lawrence gets it together. So it's not getting any easier for these quarterbacks. But Mahomes and Allen right now are the class of the AFC. And this is just another battle or another chapter, I think, in a long story of things to come. One of the things down here, I'm absolutely swamped, Ryan. This this uh, this sweet potato story got thrown on my lap here. Great story. I'm working on a big Isaiah McKenzie feature. I'm, I'm going back and forth. A lot is happening here in Kansas City. And this is the busiest time of the season. And for Bills fans, this is that time of year where you really want to be busy. You want to be watching more Bills football. And if you're watching a ton of Bills football, I was going to try to remember it off the top of my head. I'm not going to be able to. You have to make sure that you are all stocked up with Top Friendly Markets will be your hookup if you need to get things for this weekend. You need a, a party platter, a delicious sub tray, head over to Tops. They'll take care of you. I'm trying to remember the read. I'm making it up as I go along, Ryan. And, and that's okay because, listen, just get to Tops. They'll have everything you want. You know, one thing, too, we went to a Walmart in town here um, last night to just pick up some things after we went and got some Joe's Barbecue. And uh, we, we went to the beer aisle. Uh, we were going to go back uh, to the hotel, uh, play some cards, uh, Josh Reed and, and Thad Brown from Channel 4. And the, the beer selection, Ryan, terrible we are we are we're spoiled in western new york every time i go to tops it's like uh you walk down the beer aisle and it's like anything you want it's there it's there for the taking so uh quick shout out to that <laughs> well said well said uh yeah you know anyone that didn't catch matt last night i think you guys looked like you were freezing pretty good on that uh show on channel four it looked pretty cold out there matt dude i was uh i was shaking by the end because of the air coming out of my nose i think i had little icicles in my mustache um, yeah, it was a good time. It was a fun time. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. We've already talked kind of about what the Bills, uh, who the X Factor is going to be for the Bills in terms of to win. Is there anyone on the Chiefs, and I know we talked a little bit about this on Wednesday, that's maybe flying under the radar that you're a little bit concerned about? You know, I think Jarek McKinnon probably fits that that mold. Um, we talked a little bit about him on Wednesday. So I'll probably go to the defensive side of the ball. I mean, one Willie Gay has actually been a, a really interesting storyline this week. He got arrested, uh, a domestic uh, misdemeanor charge earlier in the week. Uh, Andy Reid came out today and said he is going to play. Uh, he made that decision for his football team. And so he enters the mix. He's not. He's He's healthy. He comes into this game. He wasn't fully healthy when the Bills played earlier on in the season. And you talk about a guy like Anthony Hitchens, uh, who's who's playing in this game at linebacker position. He came out and said, listen, this is a, a different Chiefs team that the Bills are facing this time around. And they had answers for the Bills offense 12 months ago. And so there's they're able to 
maybe lean on that a little bit in this game to try to generate some confidence for themselves. It's going to be about how physical can they be on the outside with guys like Stephon Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders. I don't know if that's going to work as well this time around because a nice, you know, uh, ace in the hole, if you will, for the Bills is that Emmanuel Sanders is healthy. He had a really good game the first time around against this team. And I think it's going to be about how can they get, how can they handle Josh Allen at that second level when he does get out? Or how do they get pressure with their linebackers? Because I think you're going to have to blitz a little bit in this game to have some success. And Steve Spagnola, kind of like the mastermind when it comes to executing a lot of those blitzes. You mentioned Jarek McKinnon, the speed factor there. That's something to be concerned about. I do see Phil Lehman in the comments saying uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be back as well. I think the Bills would welcome Edwards-Hilaire being back if it means uh, keeping some of that speed off the field. I'm going to go with Byron Pringle as that X factor. Um, he's really come on as of late for the Chiefs. And on Wednesday night, you know, it's always who's that next guy because Hill and Kelsey are going to get a lot of attention. That doesn't mean they're not going to perform and put up good stats. But someone else is going to have to step up in that passing game. And it's been Pringle as of late. So th- that's someone else that the Bills are going to have to have an answer for. And obviously, they're not going to game plan for him to the same extent that they do Mahomes and Kelsey uh, and Hill. But still someone just like Devin Singletary's come out of the running back position. Pringle's really come out of the wide receiver position. Yeah, By- Byron Pringle's a- an interesting guy. Um, they-, they have so much depth there. That's it's like it's kind of like um, guys that week to week aren't like those consistent playmakers, but guys that on any given week, one of them could have a big game. You got Byron Pringle. You have McCole Hardman. Oh, by the way, you got Josh Gordon kind of hiding off to the side. He was inactive last week. He can come on maybe if they think that this is a matchup that they can take advantage of. He could be a playmaker. And I thought. You know, two years ago, I thought Demarcus Robinson was going to be a guy that was going to slash onto this onto the scene and be a real problem. That's when they had Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey. Maybe a guy that you know was a guy nobody was paying attention to, and he was making plays in a lot of those games. So I think if you're the Bills, you have to kind of be on the lookout for all of those guys. And I think it's going to come down to how much can you trust your coverage in this game. You know, no Tre'Davious White. We've talked about that quite a bit this week. You know, every radio hit I, I've done throughout the week, they've asked me. What does it mean for the Bills to be without Tredavious White? And, you know, I think the biggest thing they'll miss is, listen, they got Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. So if things go bad and you're looking for leaders on the sideline, you can lean on your two all pros. But I think at that cornerback position, Tredavious White, he's been that consistent presence out there that you know that on that side of the field, when things go bad, you can lean on him to lock things down. Levi Wallace is playing with a ton of confidence. I think Dane Jackson in this game, because of the way that he plays football, he's physical. He's not afraid to get up in the in the run game, make hits. You know, if they want to lean on Jarek McKinnon or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think Dane Jackson will be a willing participant in that portion of the game. But you have to cover. You have to get to a guy like Tyreek Hill. You have to fight. You can't let him get off on big plays because the momentum in this game is going to be such a key, too. I thought it was such a good start for the Bills last year, going up 9 nothing taking advantage of a special teams mistake by the Kansas City Chiefs, but they weren't able to sustain it. I think this is an offense that can sustain it, but you can't shoot yourself in the foot, and you need your defense to eliminate those explosives. Leslie Frazier has talked so much about that this year. How do we you know, go into a season like this and eliminate, get ready for the Chiefs by taking away those big plays that killed us in the AFC title game? I haven't checked in a couple of weeks, but last time I did, the Bills ranked number one in the league in lowest amount of giving up explosive plays. That's going to be a big factor in this game, Ryan. 
Yeah, absolutely. And another, you know, Trey White, too. And you mentioned the all pro safeties and Poyer High. But one area. We got the wings. The wings have been delivered. I love it. So, quick note on the wings, though, Ryan, before you continue. I was told, I was told that these hold up to buffalo wings. There, you know, there's a recipe out here. Uh, Al uh, got it from from Buffalo. Obviously, grew up in the in, in the area. Uh, got this all set up. So these are hot wings here. I'm going to give them the taste test in a minute. I'll let you know how they are. Go ahead. I was going to say, go ahead and dig in while I'm talking here. You know, Trey White. The the one thing that he also did really well is he he was so good in terms of the film study probably knowing what to expect almost pre-snap in terms of how the, the Chiefs would be lined up. And that's something else that he would have been able to communicate when he was on the field. Uh, so they'll be missing that. And obviously, Poyer, Hyde, they're film junkies as well. They're guys that clearly know what they're going to see as well. But it, it's going to be a big loss because they have a lot of weapons, just like the Bills have a lot of weapons. Uh, but you mentioned the Bills getting off of that hot start last year, Matt. You know, again, 9 nothing lead. All things considered with all those injuries, that was impressive. This year, though, I think that the foot is going to be on the gas pedal, just like it was against New England. They're not going to let up. They feel like they're very healthy across the board, which the injury report clearly uh, backs that up with Mario Addison being the only player listed with the, uh, you know, and he was a full go on, on Friday. So they're looking as good as can be on both sides of the ball heading into this matchup. All right, let's bring in some of these guys here because they want to get involved in the show. Come on in here. Come on. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even real while I was watching the game. I, I I noticed it, but I didn't realize how much until I read a Joe B article in the Athletic. The Bills used shout out Joe B. Shout out Joe B. The Bills used fourteen different wide receiver combinations in the game last week. Different variants of results. We have a lot of different skill sets, and we're trying to use all those. Do you think we'll see as many? And which wide receiver combinations are you thinking that you want to see more of? So. It's a great question. And I'm actually, I was talking about this earlier. I'm doing a big piece on Isaiah McKenzie today yeah. uh, for tomorrow. Uh, yeah, it's it's really, he's been really going to get fan coverage. I, I have a sneaking suspicion that Kansas City is going to try to play that cover two shell, you know, play a little bit more zone. I think this could be a game where you can get to Cole Beasley, get him more involved. And the funny thing, Isaiah was talking about this. It's like, I think people have forgot about Cole Beasley a little bit. Listen, I think he's, you know, maybe lost a little bit of a step this year. He's not as explosive as he was a year ago. But remember in the playoffs last year, he was beat up. He was injured. He's played on a broken leg. Yeah, that's tough. It's tough to play football. Exactly. So I think this is a game where you probably try to get him involved. He's, you know, that's that short intermediate passing game. I feel like you could kind of lean on him a little bit. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I think that's great. And, and the, also the way that they utilize Isaiah McKenzie, going back to him real quick, I loved when they lined him up in the backfield, Matt, in this game against the Patriots where he went one direction on, on one of Devin Singletary's touchdowns. Singletary went the other, and everything kind of opened up for the offense. Or maybe it was a – yeah, it was, it was a Singletary run. So I, I like the creativity that they're using with McKenzie. But you're right. If the Chiefs are in the zone look, that's where Cole Beasley is going to eat. He is great at finding those soft spots in the defense, getting open, eight, ten yards downfield, catching the ball, diving ahead for a few extra yards. So it's really going to come down to the looks that the Chiefs give. You know, we've seen a lot of man-to-man from them, but as we've mentioned numerous times tonight, there's so many weapons on this Bills offense that I'm not sure they would be able to defend them all So, uh, in, in terms of that man look all game long. Uh, so they're going to have to get really creative. Here's my big prediction for the game. The Bills have done so much work this season really kind of evolving in their offense and involving like what you mentioned, being able to get in these kind of looks and take advantage of everybody. 
almost like a crescendo to this moment where Stefan Diggs just shows up on the scene and kind of reminds everybody the kind of season that he had last season. Um, I think this is a matchup. Listen, Charvarius Ward is going to play on Sunday. He didn't play in week five. I think it's a tough matchup. But I also don't think Stephon Diggs was 100% last year when they went against the Chiefs, and I think he will be this game. I'm kind of predicting maybe two touchdown performance from Stephon Diggs in this game because there's so many things that the Chiefs have to worry about, not only in the passing game, but also Devin Singletary in this run game. What do you got for me? All right. So I'm going to flip the script real quick. Talk to you about Dane Jackson. He's been unreal. I mean, Tredavious is my guy. Don't get me wrong. But Dane Jackson, Levi Wallace, the secondary has been crazy. Just talk to you about that. Those guys have been unreal. And how you think they're going to change their looks from week five to today because we don't have Trey White, right? That's like yeah. how are we going to – Absolutely. Yeah. What's funny, I was, we were just talking about this as well, but one of the things that I don't think changes a whole lot is I think Dane Jackson is – you know, this is kind of a crazy thing to say. I think he's as good of a tackler as Tredavious White. If you look at his statistics this season, missed tackles, he's got three in about – I think it's like 500 snaps this year. We only draft dogs at quarterback. There you go. You oh. only draft dogs at quarterback. So – I think in coverage is where I worry about him a little bit more, those explosive plays. But luckily for him, you know, you have the, you know, two, the best safety duo in the, in, in the league behind him. And I think that this is going to be a game where this is also like, listen, so much has gone well, Ryan, for, and I want to get him back in the show for a second, guys. So much has gone well for Hoyer and Hyde this season, right? All pro, number one defense. You get to this point and then you're like, all right, so you, you don't want these guys to lose the, sh- the chip on their shoulders, right? Do they lose in this game? Yeah, no, absolutely not. And listen, Dane Jackson specifically, we saw him as a rookie when he came in last year, make big play after big play. I, I still go back to the Seahawks game, big tack line, Metcalf uh, against the Cardinals, one-on-one pass breakup against Hopkins, uh, interception against the Jets. The moment was never too big for him as a rookie, so I'm not surprised that he's come on and, and played the way that he has. Uh, in terms of the looks that I think that the Bills are going to give defensively, I'm not saying they're going to come out and replicate everything from that they did from Week 5, but you don't want those explosive plays. You want the Chiefs to have to march up and down the field, hitting those short gainers and not making mistakes. And I think that is still going to be their game plan. Force Patrick Mahomes to kind of not necessarily dink and dunk, but take away those long, deep throws, and then maybe a mistake happens. Maybe a Greg Rousseau gets his hand on the ball. Maybe it's uh, a ball that goes through Hill's hands to Micah Hyde like that happened in week five. Make them beat themselves. That's going to be part of the formula in this game. Limit those explosive plays, but you're right. Dane Jackson's been very good. Levi Wallace has been outstanding, but this is their biggest test yet because someone mentioned the Tampa Bay game to me earlier this week. Yes, Tom Brady is still Tom Brady, but Tom Brady can't keep the plays alive to the extent of a Patrick Mahomes. And, and like I said, if you can roll out of the pocket and give your receivers time to just kind of uh, run loose for a little bit or get loose for a little bit, that's when those big plays can hurt you. So uh, tall task ahead for those two cornerbacks. I got a question. All right. So so I got the sense uh, the last time or the, the last game that the Bills played against the Patriots, you know, obviously we smoked him and everything. Just that the Patriots defense was super tired, right? Like, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine a performance like that against a team that, you know, wasn't tired. Uh, they just looked like that, looked kind of flat. So, like, how did, how did the Bills go about dealing with a defense that's just not as tired, potentially, if they were against, against the Chiefs defense that's maybe more rested, maybe has more energy than the, the Pats did uh, in that last game? 
Yeah, and I think part of the fatigue that you saw was the Patriots' inability to stop the Bills. And I think putting immediate pressure on a team like that, you know, I, I was talking about this on our show last night. I saw slump, slumping shoulders on the Patriots' sideline after that first touchdown drive. Like, this is going to be a long game. There, you can't overstate how important it is to start off fast. It was more important in the Patriots game because Mac Jones goes down early in the game and the, and the, the numbers show that that's a bad place to be for the Patriots. Now, you go up 14-0 on the, on the Patriots. We've seen it before. Remember a couple of years ago in that Houston Texans playoff game when Deshaun Watson was just cooking in the first half, they went up a couple of touchdowns and Mahomes and company kept roaring back. But the one good thing I think if you're a Bills fan going into this game is that no matter what happens early in this game, I do think that this is a more mature offense led by a more mature quarterback that they're not going to get, you know, you know, uh, overwhelmed or feeling the pressure on the sideline. There's too many weapons on this offense not to kind of figure it out. If that makes sense. Your thoughts on that, Ryan Talbot? Uh, well, listen, uh, you know, some great points raised there. Uh, again, you, the Bills last year in the playoffs, that's when they faced their adversity. A, a tight game against the Colts, a tight game uh, against the Ravens, a low-scoring game at that, and then a Chiefs game where they were overwhelmed because of the injuries to their offensive playmakers and everything else. In this matchup, the Bills are healthy. The adversity has already been faced in the regular season. And we saw them just roll the Patriots in terms of uh, scoring on every single drive, getting into very few third down situations. I'm not saying they can replicate that uh, against Kansas City, but Kansas City has its warts on defense, so to speak. Their run defense is suspect. That's where Devin Singletary can come in. That's where Josh Allen can use his legs and hurt you. That's where you can utilize Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, we, we saw them now, obviously not so much in the playoff game last week because Roethlisberger was cooked. Uh, and they, they weren't respecting the, the Steelers as passers. But we saw just about every team in the last four games of the regular season run with success against that Kansas City defense to, to big numbers. Denver had a really good game. The Chargers had a really good game. Uh, I'm blanking on the third team that had a really good game. And the Bengals were the only team that didn't, but that's because Joe Burrow was throwing for 446 yards and four touchdowns. So that defense, despite being a lot better than the Bill, the, the unit the Bills saw in Week 5, they can still get beat on the ground and through the air. So like we were saying earlier, this is a different Bills team. There's more confidence around them this year, and it's rightfully so. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, one of the things I was kind of toying around with, and I want to get to predictions. I want to talk a little bit about these wings in a second, sample a little bit more. But one of the things I was toying around with is that the Bills have gone so much to that heavy personnel. When they bring Tommy Doyle on, is that tackle eligible? running out of that look, passing out of that look. You know, I started kind of thinking about the idea, like what if the Bills kind of like abandoned that completely in this game and just go back to a lot of spread for, throughout the, 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 the course of the game? If they have confidence in their front five, their offensive linemen to block, maybe you can go to a – but the more I think about that, the more I think why not run against this defense? They're not very good at stopping the run. We saw it against – you know, uh, uh, multiple teams down the stretch. I thought Denver was able to kind of run the ball a little bit in their two matchups. Even the Chargers are, uh, yeah, the Chargers, if you go back to the last time they played, thought Austin Eckler had a bit of a game. I think Devin Singletary can be a guy that has a lot of success in this game. Yeah, and the way he's been running, uh, 80-plus yards rushing, I think, in four of his last five games, uh, something like seven t rushing touchdowns, I think eight overall touchdowns in that stretch. Uh, e even the game, they didn't rush for 80 yards. He still had 78 total yards between 39 
rushing, 39 receiving in that second Patriots matchup. So he's been uh, really effective as a rusher and a receiver when utilized. So this could be a very good game and a very big game for Devin Singletary. These wings are absolutely legit. They hit, they're hitting all the right notes. But the big thing is the blue cheese, Ryan. Blue cheese on the road rarely holds up. But I, I've said, I, I've watched some features. I think Andy Young from Spectrum did one last year and Matt Bovey from Channel 7, WKBW. They did some uh, some videos of these, and uh, they look good. But sometimes they look good, and, you know, the, the, uh, uh, you know the, the allure of it, the Buffalo Bar, these are – they hold up. You know what? Another place that has a good one, a Buffalo Backers Bar, is a Bill's Backers Bar. Naked City Pizza in Las Vegas, my old home. Chris Palmieri does an absolutely outstanding job. These are on par with those wings, and I think these could hold up in any spot in Buffalo. I'm kind of, I'm kind of sad that you're not out here to, to eat some of them, buddy, but I'll, I'll enjoy a couple for you. Yeah, absolutely. Have, have a few of those and a few blue lights for me from uh, KC. Prediction time, Ryan. What do you got? You know, early this week, man, I was really on the fence, and on one of my radio spots, I ended up going with the Chiefs. But the more I've really dug into this, I'm going with the Bills. Uh, they couldn't hang last year because of three of their offensive playmakers being injured. The defense wasn't as good as it is this year. And despite not having Trey White, I think that they can hold up defensively on, on some drives where the, the Chiefs drive it deep and hold them to field goals. So I have the Bills winning this one 38-31. 38-31, man, we're always, we're always right in the ballpark, aren't we, buddy? 38-35, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills to win. I guess technically pull the upset, but the last time I checked, the Bills opened as a three, two-and-a-half fav- uh, underdog, depending on what sports book you were looking at. The last time I checked, they were down to one-and-a-half, so a lot of public money is coming on the Bills. I was listening to the Bill uh, Simmons podcast. He had Ariel Hawani, friend of the show, on his show to talk about you know, the Bills and, you know, the national narrative now that's happening. There's a lot of people now, Ryan, believing in the Bills. A very weird place to be for Bills fans who are so used to kind of fighting against that and pushing back against the narrative that the Bills can't win this game. I've seen enough from Josh Allen in this game, in this season. That game last last week, it was dominance, Ryan. I think that they can replicate that. I think they're playing a defense that well is it's a good defense. They got good players. They got game wrecking type of players, at least one in Chris Jones. I think this is an offense that just is too in control and has too much momentum and has been too effective when they get close to the red zone. That was a big storyline going back to week five. They had success in that game and then it was kind of sporadic for a while. They figured out a lot of their, you know, questions in the red zone. I think Brian Dable, I think this is kind of like um, his Mona Lisa. Right. This is his chance to finally stamp it, uh, to become a head coach, to have a run of games where he he really just puts together uh, everything that he's kind of been working up to the last couple of years. I have faith in that. Uh, I've seen enough to have faith in that. And I'm going with the Bills. Thirty eight, thirty five. I love it. I love it. Same, like you said, always on the same page there, Matt. Uh, I cannot wait for this game. It's like I said, main event of the weekend, but at least we have two games to look forward to tomorrow as well, starting in the afternoon. Ooh, it's getting loud. So funny. So funny note about funny note about this bar. It is located in Kansas City. It's got really good buffalo chicken wings, and Kansas City folks still come here. So. There are Chiefs fans 
in the building right now and a little bit of a, a back and forth going on right now. So there's a little bit of a shout song going on back there, if you will. All right. We're going to wrap this thing up here because I can barely hear myself think. I'm going to eat these chicken wings. I'm going to have a, a, a blue light or two. Don't miss our coverage. We'll have a Twitter Spaces tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow, maybe one tomorrow, and maybe one on Sunday. There you go. You got the shout shout song going in the background. Perfect. Perfect for this show. Get to Tops this weekend. You can get some uh, – you can head over to their carryout cafe. They'll take care of you. Um Topsmarkets.com slash fantasy football. All right, Ryan, send us out of here with that with that spud on your chest. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Bill's Mafia. Uh, you know, stay locked in to everything on nyupsyracuse.com. Go check out Matt's story on the sweet potato. Check out his story tomorrow on Isaiah McKenzie. I'll have things to watch. And we'll have everything leading up to kickoff that you could ever uh, think of. So check out the site. Thank you for your support watching us live tonight. Uh, If you missed it live, you can listen to all your favorite podcast platforms. We will see you soon, Bills Mafia. Have a great night. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.